Senators want more transparency into the addictive algorithms of Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. More disruption on the horizon for the social media platforms. Stay tuned. Okay, a Senate Judiciary Subcommittee just has been held to deal with the large social media platforms. Richard, what is this about? Yeah, really interesting. So, you know, we, we cover this quite a bit in Thinking Caps in terms of what's going on with the social media platforms. And this is quite an interesting moment. So in cr- contrast to sort of more uh, recent congressional hearings that have basically been little more opportunities for legislators to show that they don't understand technology. <laughs> yeah, I see a lot of that. <laughs> or those that do, who just have a chance to sort of pummel and smash the uh, the big tech uh, executives, right? Yeah. But this latest hearing is actually more focused on trying to understand the algorithms and their role in spreading harmful misinformation. Mm. At least that was the aim. And uh, the story is quoted uh, and covered in DigiDay, so hats up to hats off to them for the article. Um, I wanted to actually uh, quote from the article itself. Uh, so this is um, Democratic Senator Chris Coons, who says, I quote, We truly don't see these as partisan questions and don't come to this hearing with a specific regulatory or legislative agenda. But this is an area that requires urgent attention, he said. Uh, And so for those that don't know, Chris Coons is the Delaware Democrat who chairs the Privacy Technology and Law Subcommittee. And he suggested that the social media algorithms promote false information and force people into hyper-tailored idea echo chambers Ooh, all right okay so senator coons didn't he is the guy who introduced the uh algorithmic uh fairness act that's right yes yes he did that last year and that essentially gives the uh federal trade commission the ftc um the authority to evaluate the fairness of algorithms to determine you know online advertising targeting etc and this is not unlike what we just saw in February with the EU when the um, European Data Protection Supervisor made a suggestion that all advertising tracking uh, be be ceased. So that's going to legislation over the seas. But this is around um, hype and misinformation. That's, that's right. And uh, Senator Coons actually also indicated that the hearing uh, could help inform possible future legislation here in the U.S. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's the reason for these hearings. So what are the key takeaways from what we've learned? So um, pretty interesting. And and I don't think anyone will be too surprised by the actual key takeaways, right? So, of course, senators wanted to dig in at how these social media algorithms value, amplify or suppress engagement with certain types of inflammatory or false content. However, what we got back from the executives of Facebook, Google, Twitter basically pointed to just the existing public information about how their algorithms worked and refused to basically provide any further new detail. (laughs) So our lips are sealed. One of my favorite go-go songs. Pretty much. And, you know, the senators obviously signaled that they wanted to get this increased transparency regarding how social media algorithms are built and work. Critics of the platform are obviously also involved in the the uh, hearing. So people like Tristan Harris, who's the co-founder and president of the Center for Humane Technology, mm-hmm. and jo- Joanne Donovan, the research director at the Shorenstein Center on Media, Politics and Public Policy. And now they obviously argued, unsurprisingly, that the algorithm 
algorithms that recommend vid videos on YouTube or rank posts in customized Facebook and Twitter, Twitter feeds are built to inspire outrage and promote misinformation at scale. Ooh. Strong words, yeah. And then basically the, the platform executives came back saying, you know, pushing back on that criticism and stressing that their companies have made changes in recent years at how algorithms operate in order to downplay harmful, untruthful or extremist content and created features that could give people more control over content is presented. But um, Senator Coons did suggest that there are ways that YouTube and other platforms could enable more algorithmic transparency. Hmm. And uh, basically <laughs> lamented the fact that YouTube does not publicly show the number of times a video has been recommended to people before it was removed from the platform. Huh. Which is actually a useful stat. If you really want to know how far harmful content has been uh, is getting pushed and the, and the role of these platforms, when a, plat when a piece of content is taken down, we should publicly be able to see where 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 was the algorithm pushing that? How far did this get pushed? This yeah, piece what are of the content? metrics behind before it got removed? Okay. Exactly, yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Uh, and you know, Senator Coon says that we have no way of knowing how many times the content was recommended by your algorithm before it was ultimately removed. Could YouTube commit today to providing more transparency about your recommendation algorithm and its impacts? Hmm. And the answer was. <laughs> yeah nope our lips are sealed <laughs> which is kind of interesting because actually in this um uh, subcommittee hearing you know at the end of it one could could come away with the the uh the sort of feeling that youtube that google was the ultimate villain instead of facebook which is uh, which is unusual look you know this this problem has been there for years we just keep pumping and, and kicking the can to new topics but look um this is a clear sign when the, when the Senate subcommittee gets together, it's a clear sign there's going to be more disruption, more, you know, Zuckerberg getting punched in the face and YouTube and everything getting beat up. So this is going to disrupt advertising as we know it for brands. So what does a brand marketer do with this news continuing to come in? Yeah, look, so funny enough, and I'm, I'm going to be very supportive here of, of Google uh, because, you know, what I'd really encourage marketers to do is as you say, see the disruption that's coming down the, the pipe here, which is going to be significant. And in, I'd encourage all the marketers to follow Google's advice, sure. right? And I want to bring up a, a slide here because this comes from uh, Google's own uh, blog. Um, it's uh, from a guy called David Temkin, who's the, the key yep. guy at Google for covering all these types of issues around trust and privacy, etc. And they state it pure and simple. I, I quote, Google says, first-party relationships are vital. Developing strong relationships with customers has always been critical for brands to build a successful business. And this becomes even more vital in a privacy-first world. We will continue to support first-party relationships on our ad platforms for partners in which they have direct connections with their own customers. And we will deepen our support for solutions that build on these direct relationships between consumers and the brands and publishers they engage with. So own your data. You will have a path forward. The largest media company in the world is telling you 
Collect yeah. your own data. Get your opt-in. Get your consent. Get what you need, and you'll have a path forward. It's going to be the differentiator fully for you to actually get ahead of your competition, no question. Well, and I'm going to tell you right now, we have tons of facts that'll say if you bring your own data for targeting and personalization of ads right now, you'll get a five to six, maybe more times lift than using behavioral targeted data right now. So, all right. What, what else do we have? Now, I, I would also, you know, bring up, I mentioned this the other day on Thinking Cats, I would also bring the IAB into this as well, because I think they have some very sound advice for brands, for advertisers, for retailers, when they actually say, yes, of course, direct relationships now are vital, you know, in this new privacy first world. And, and they may go to the next step of saying, well, you know, building the, how do you build those direct relationships? And they make the point that you need to think about the value exchange yep. to the consumer to incentivize that long-term direct-to-brand engagement. Yep, absolutely. And look, you know, engagement and direct-to-consumer is all about customer engagement, and it's loyalty, right? Loyalty. Customer engagement, formerly known as loyalty, I don't know. Um, and we have a great webinar on that that people we, should be We do. We you have know, about a minute left, but yeah, what do we want so, to close with and give people as a takeaway? So, so very quickly, you know, loyalty is the framework. It's one of the three main pillars of what a value exchange can be or should be according to the IAB for getting that direct to brand, uh, consumer to direct to consumer to brand relationship. So we've got a, a webinar called Why is Loyalty the Key to Surviving the Death of the Cookie? Uh, and the materials that you should look at to help you evaluate the vendors that can help you build that value exchange direct to consumer. And everybody that attends that uh, webinar gets a report, Technology Today report from Loyalty 360 profiling 55 vendors that can help you. Well, that's it today. This uh, will continue to, to track the news around this. CheetahDigital.com reports our webinars, and you will see that Loyalty360. Go sign up and get that free report. Cool. We are out. See you soon.